And we ask that you do this this, that this morning, that you transform our hearts and give us the heart of a worshiper this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not so sure that today is one of those fiery messages. It's one that I hope will make you really think and make you really examine yourselves and make you really see where you are with the Lord and then be willing to allow the Lord to change your heart. You know, last week I was fussing. I was saying I hate it when somebody gives me something to preach about and then I gotta, I gotta make up a lesson. But I think I've completely changed my mind because him giving me these topics caused me to research something I'd never taught before and to look at some things I'd never seen before. So again, like last week, this is hot off the press and I, I hope I'm able to organize it well. This mic is something, something, something. I know I complained about the other one, but this one is fuzzy, it's real fuzzy. We talked about corporate worship last week and we discussed that worship is the response of a worshiper. The worship is a response of a child of God to the presence of God. It's what we do when God enters the room. When God enters the room, when his glory shows up, when his presence shows up, how do we posture our hearts? What do we do with our hearts? What do we do with ourselves when the king of kings actually enters the room? We looked at corporate worship, the power of corporate worship, and, and what happens when we worship together, when we come together with one heart and one mind. And we looked at the fact that Pentecost, the day of Pentecost and the baptism of the Holy Spirit happened because people were in one place, in one accord, of one heart and of one mind, responding to the Lord together. And it changed the face of the church and the world forever. So we talked about the power of corporate worship. We talked about the power of the response of our heart to the presence of God. And today I wanna look at the heart of a worshiper. And as I was studying this, it just, it really did something to me. It made me examine myself. It made me look at myself. What is my heart towards you? How do I respond towards you? So I just want to take a little tour toward through the Bible. We may not be able to look at all the scriptures because there's a lot of scriptures and I'm just going to be dancing through some scriptures this morning. But I want us to look at the different ways that people responded to the presence of God and how it affected the rest of their lives. And I want each one of you, as we're looking at these people's lives, as we're looking at their stories, as we're looking at the way they responded to the presence of God and how it affected their outcome, I want you to look at your own response to the presence of God. I want you to look at your own relationship with the presence of God, not only in corporate worship, but in your private place of worship with him. I want to ask you the question, and I want you to ask yourself the question, what do I do when God shows up? Say that with me. What do I do when God shows up? I want to show you this morning that the way you respond to God can change your whole destiny. Worship is not something that we do on a Sunday morning in service. It's not... You know, I, I, I was teaching yesterday in Douala, and, and, I was, and, and I was laying forth some principles on effectual prayer, the same series that I taught here. And they kept asking me questions. And at one point, I was like, you're not getting me. I'm not telling you do step one, step two, step three, step four. They were trying to create a new doctrine for prayer. And I said to them, I'm trying to get rid of your doctrine for prayer. I'm trying to draw you into a relationship with God. 
And that's sometimes what happens to us in worship, that we say, okay, three praise songs, four worship songs, and now we've gotten sophisticated. We've seen Bethel worship, so now we know, you know, we raise, we, we go down, we raise, we go down, we talk a little while, we inspire you, we exhort you. But if it becomes just another method, then we're missing the whole purpose. The purpose of worship is to draw you into intimate relationship with God. What I was teaching them yesterday, the purpose of prayer is to draw you into intimate relationship with God. Everything that we do in this place is to draw you into intimacy with God. Amen? So I want you to listen and I want you to posture your heart. God, how do I respond to you? How do I interact with you? How do I relate to you? And how does that affect my everyday life? How does that affect me pressing into my future and my purpose and my destiny? Amen? Okay. I want y'all paying good attention, no daydreaming. That's another thing we do in church. We say, oh, it's time for the sermon. Let me daydream for 45 minutes, and then, and then we'll say goodbye and do the offering dance and all of that. I want you to hear what I'm saying. You're going to be held accountable in heaven for the things that I'm saying. Amen? Exodus chapter 3. We know that Moses was raised in Pharaoh's palace. He killed a man because he was defending a Jew, and he ran into the wilderness, and he spent uh, 40 years in the wilderness and he got married, he had children, he tended the sheep. And during that time, Exodus 3 happens. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, which means desolate place, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. I want you to say with me, I will now turn aside. I will now turn aside. Good morning to Mr. and Mrs. Chidi. So happy to see you guys this morning. I will now turn aside. Verse 4, so when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. I want to show you something. He said, so when he saw that Moses turned aside, that's when he spoke. What if Moses hadn't turned aside? Would God have ever spoken to him in that moment? If Moses had not turned aside to behold the glory and the wonder of God, would God have said, Moses, Moses? And that conversation initiated the entire deliverance of the people of Israel. If God is calling you to do something in your life and you do not turn aside to respond to him, let's say God has a great call. He has the next phase of your life. Some of you are wondering, what's next for me? What's next for me? What am I supposed to do? How do I get out of this place that I'm in right now to get to the next place where I'm going? And God is doing things. The angel of the Lord approached Moses first. Moses didn't come to the Lord and say, what is supposed to happen to my people in Israel? Moses wasn't thinking about them. He was thinking about his sheep, his wife, his children. He was not thinking about the children of Israel. It was God who initiated the conversation. It was God that gave the invitation that said, come into my presence. I want to speak to you about you and your people. What if the deliverance of Cameroon is in the hand 
of a person that's in this room right now, and God has been sending you invitations. He's inviting you, just like, just like Boris was speaking this morning. Come, let's cry out desperately before the Lord. Some of y'all was like, oh, they got new lights. Oh, they painted the stage black. There was an invitation issued. Come into the presence of the Lord. Did you turn aside? Did you turn aside? So when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, that's when he spoke to him. That was the first time that Moses heard the voice of God. There was an invitation issued, but there was a response required. Eh? You see it now. There was an invitation issued, but there was a response required. And the response of Moses was what caused the Lord to speak to him. I think that's a very, that's a very great lesson for us, that God is going to issue an invitation to you. Draw close to me. Hear from me. I want to speak to you about you. I want to speak to you about your destiny. I want to speak to you about your nation. What is going to be your response? It was the response of Moses that caused the Lord to begin to speak to him. And that was his introduction. And Moses was able to ask him questions and say, well, who are you? Who should I say you are? What were you going to give me? What tools are you going to give me? And by the time they finished that conversation, Moses knew God. He'd been introduced to God. He saw and understood aspects of God that he had never understood before. God gave him supernatural tools to be able to carry out his destiny. He left there knowing the name of God. He said, when they asked me who sent me, what is his name? What shall I say? And God revealed to him, I am who I am. The Lord God of your fathers, Mo, uh, uh, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He revealed to himself, to Moses. But what was the requirement first? Moses had to turn aside. When was the last time that you actually turned aside to behold the wonder of the Lord? When was the last time you turned aside to be drawn into a conversation that changed your whole life? You know, we're making some really big moves in Bethel, Atlanta, Africa right now. We're taking on new countries. I made a decision this weekend that this year I am going to take that trip to Botswana that the Lord has been telling me about. These are big decisions. There's money involved. There's time involved. There's scheduling. There's flights. I don't ever want to be anywhere where God has not said that I'm supposed to be. You know, that's a dangerous place to be. I'm in Botswana, and God is like, no, you're supposed to be in Kenya right now. I need to be able to hear the voice of the Lord for the things that are happening. But I can't just wake up and start my day. I can't wake up in the morning and brush my teeth and wash and put on my clothes and eat some breakfast and leave the house. I'm trying to change the world. Every morning when I wake up, I have to turn aside and behold the presence of the Lord and have an interaction with him where I say, what is your name? Reveal to me your nature and your character. Our finances are in a place where this is going to take extraordinary faith, this next move of God that we're making. Is that the kind of time where you just get up in the morning and just leave the house? Where you wake up in the morning and you gossip with the people in your house and you talk about what's going on and you say, okay, see y'all later. It's not that kind of season. I need supernatural finances. I need supernatural direction. I need supernatural resources. I need answers. I need to know the character and the nature of God. I need to speak him to speak to me like he spoke to Moses in that moment. I am 
who I am. I need him to do what he did to Moses later in chapter 4 where Moses said, what if they don't believe the sign? And he said, stick your hand in your bosom. And it came out leprous. And then he stuck it in again and it came out clear. I need supernatural power for where I'm going in this next season of my life. Throw the rod on the ground, pick it back up. I need supernatural power. I need to turn aside. Some of you are frustrated in where you are with with God right now, with where you are in your life right now. And you're looking at God, why won't you do this? Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done this? And what if the Lord is asking you the question, have you turned aside? Have you beheld the presence of the Lord? Have you asked him, what is your name? There's so much wrapped up in that question. What is your name? I need to know you. I need to know your character and your nature. I need to know that you're the faithful one, that you're the merciful one. I need to know that you're Jehovah Jireh. I need to know that you're Jehovah Rapha. I need to know that you're Jehovah Shalom. But I will never see these things if I don't turn aside. One of God's greatest desires is to reveal himself to you in a new and different way. He knows for the next part of your life that you're going to that you need to see him. You need to know his nature. You need to know that he's the I am that I am. If you're frustrated, if you're you're in a place of questioning, if you're in a place of needing new direction, new provision, new destiny, whatever it is that you need right now, anything you need, I could call a hundred things, every single one of those things is found in the presence of the Lord but you can only find it as you turn aside. So when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, he spoke, Moses, Moses. He called him by his name. He He told him what his name, I am who I am. He gave him miraculous power. And he gave him his his identity. He said, you will be as a God to Pharaoh. This is who you are. I'm giving you your destiny. You're going to lead the people out of darkness. And I'm giving you such an anointing, such a presence, such direction. I'm going to be with you to the point that you will be as a God to Pharaoh. What more do we need? Everything that we need is where? In the presence. Everything we need is in the presence. Say that with me. Everything I need is in the presence. And I will get it when I turn aside. Let's move on to the next point. I want to look at three different responses to the presence of the Lord and see how those people were affected and how it affected their destiny. Let's turn to Exodus 20, 19, I'm sorry. We went over this a little bit last week and I just, I stopped. And so we're going to, we're going to come back. I'm just going to read different scriptures. You don't necessarily have to follow along, um, but if you have your Bible open. We're in Exodus 19, where God makes the promise in verse 4 to 6 that he's going to be with the people. They're going to be a special treasure. They're going to be to him a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And he says to Moses, behold, I come to you, in verse 9, behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak to you and believe you forever. And then uh, let's 
skip on down to the end. We, we talked about last week how God himself, he brought heaven down to the mountain. And there were lightnings and thunderings and trumpet blasts, the voice of many waters. And the presence of God, the throne room of God, descended down onto the mountain. Now, he starts talking to Moses and God answers him by voice. And look at verse 19. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. So go Moses goes into this thick cloud of darkness. He goes into this place where there's lightning, thunderings, trumpet blasts. The mountain is, is covered in smoke. And Moses goes into the glory. Okay? I want you to look at that. Moses goes into the glory and he begins to speak to God. And again, God speaks to him. Now let's skip over a little bit. In chapter 20, verse 18, the reason I'm skipping through is this is, this is a story of, of an occurrence that's happening. Now all the people, verse 18 of chapter 20, now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. When the people saw the glory of God, when the glory of God descended on the mountain, the people stood afar off. And they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak to us lest we die. Here's an important scripture, verse 20. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you. He says to them, do not fear. Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that his fear may be before you, that you may not sin. Do not fear, God is coming to give you his fear. There are two different definitions of the word fear there. One of them is actually terror and fright. And that's what they're doing. They're responding by standing afar. They're responding by stepping back and saying, we don't want God talking to us. We are afraid of him. We are filled with terror and fright at the presence of the Lord. And Moses is saying, do not be filled with terror and fright, but be filled with fear. The word reverence. And for some of us, that's our problem. Our relationship with God is one of terror and fright. And I, be, I apologize. I repent on behalf of every pastor that has presented God to you in that way. And I'm, I'm asking you to come into a new understanding of who God is. We've had so many lessons on the father heart of God and, and, and replacing old thoughts and old understandings of God with new ones. But many of us, we believe God is angry and mean and terrible and harsh and demanding and never pleased with us. This has become my new thing. We think that God is looking at us like this. And that's how we see God. And we have to erase that view of God from our mind and come to know him as a good, good father whose banner over us is love. Moses is saying the intent of God's heart right here. He is saying, I want you to get rid of terror and fright and standing off, off afar from the Lord. And I want you to be filled with reverence and awe so that you can draw near. Do you see the difference in those two responses? One is a misunderstanding of who God is. We see the lightning. We see the thundering. We see the trumpet blast and the smoke and the fire. And our heart's response is terror and fright. And this idea that he's mean and hard. 
waiting to punish us. But instead, Moses is saying God does not want you to fear. He does not want your, your heart to be filled with terror and fright. He wants your heart to be filled with reverence for God. And when your heart is filled with reverence for God, you will not sin. And I want you to look at verse 21, and I want it to burn inside of your heart. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near. Contrasting the two heart responses that we can have to the presence of God. We're going to add a lot more, but for right now, verse 21, we're going to look at these two heart responses. One was trembling, was fear, was terror and fright, and the end result was standing afar off from the presence of God. The other one was a reverential appreciation for the glory of God. Now remember, Moses had already been introduced to God. I am God. This is who I am. Moses had been introduced to his nature and his character. And so instead of having that terror and fright, he had reverential fear. The terror and fright caused them to stand afar off. The reverential fear caused Moses to draw near. Okay? Remember that in your heart because we're going to see what is the outcome of these two responses. So Moses continues to have this conversation with God, and we know in the next few chapters there's the giving of uh, all the commandments and the giving of the stone and, and, and uh, the, the tablets and all that. Um, and then another important place for us to look at, we're going to compare three different responses to the presence of God. Chapter 24, and we're going to go down to verse 9. This baffles me every time I read it. Chapter 24, verse 9. Then Moses went up. So there, we're talking about in the mountain where God is still, has brought his throne room down from heaven onto the mountain. I could go ahead and say that it's not really down from heaven. It didn't travel through outer space to get down on the mountain. It's just that the veil between the natural realm and the spiritual realm was pulled back and the mountain of God, I mean the throne of God was there on the mountain, but I don't want to go too far into that. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it was, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. Remember we saw last week in the book of Revelations, we saw the throne of God, we saw him sitting on the throne, and in front of him was this sea of crystal, this sea of glass. So the same thing that John the Revelator went when God saw, when God said, come up hither, when John the Revelator ascended to heaven, he saw this same scene that these people are seeing on the mountain. Are you getting me? The throne room of God, the very throne of God descended onto the mountain or the veil was pulled back and they were able to see the throne room of God on the mountain and the same crystal sea, the same throne that John saw in heaven, they're seeing on top of this mountain. And it says they saw God. They actually entered into the heavenly realms. Verse 11, but on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God and they ate and drank. That baffles me. Like they literally, the elders of Israel were in heaven. They saw God and they was like, mm, mimbo, mm, fufu and eru, mm, there's God. They saw God. He didn't kill him. You know, I mean, when Moses said, I want to see your glory, he said, I'm going to have to tuck you in the mountain, and then you can see my backside as I pass by, otherwise you're going to die. 
But for this instance, I don't know why. I'm like, if you excuse them, I want you to excuse me. I want to I want to come to heaven. I want to see God. Give us the opportunity, Lord. But let's watch what happened. Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, 70 of the elders saw God. They looked on that sea of crystal glass and they ate and drank. He didn't kill them. And then it says, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. Moses arose with assistant Joshua. Moses went up into the mountain and a glory cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days and on the seventh day. I, I, I just, I thank you for assigning me to preach something that I didn't want to preach because I found all sorts of stuff I'd never seen before. I mean, we've read this a million times, but can you imagine? The elders are up there in the presence of God. They eat and drink. God calls Moses a little bit higher, and the cloud of his glory descends on the mountain thicker and thicker, and it sits there for six days. And it says, and then on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. How many of us would sit in the glory cloud for six days? We start to itch after an hour of worship. Like, okay, it's time to get to the Word so I can get home and eat my fufu and eru. Why they delaying? Why they take? Six days, Moses sat there in the glory. And it wasn't until the seventh day that the Lord began to speak to him. Verse 17, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So the children of Israel are still down there, standing afar off from the mountain. And they're looking up, and they're, all they're seeing is that the mountain is looking like it's completely burning up in fire. That same burning bush that didn't consume the bush that Moses saw is now not a bush, but it's a whole mountain because Moses turned aside and he invited God, yes, come to earth, interact with us. So now we go from a little bush and one man's encounter to a whole mountain, which was supposed to be an encounter for an entire nation of people. I didn't realize this when I was studying, but what if Moses turning aside was what gave access to heaven descending on the mountain? What if Moses turning aside and accepting the invitation of the Lord was what allowed the entire nation of Israel to experience the same burning, non-consuming burning that Moses saw in the bush? It started with a man in a bush and it became a nation and a mountain. Chai! But the people stood afar off. They're looking at this mountain and they're seeing the mountain looking like a consuming fire. And Moses is inside that place for seven days. God continues to speak. He gives the direction, direction, direction. This is what the tabernacle is supposed to look like. This is what the burnt offering is supposed to look like. The breastplate, the ephod, the altar of incense. And we go on for chapter and chapter. And Moses is in the glory of the Lord for 40 days. He's up there in the presence of God. Some of us can't stand the presence of God that long. We can't sit still. We can't connect with him. We can't focus on him. We can't listen to him. We, I, I want to be like Moses, that I can train my physical body, that I can train my fleshly soul to stay in the presence of God until it lifts. 
chapter 32, we're skipping over to chapter 32. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, come, make us gods that we will go before us. As for this Moses, skipping down ver chapter, verse 2, Aaron said to them, break off your golden earrings. And they made this golden calf and they said, this is your God. O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose up early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And if you look at the Hebrew meaning of that word play, they were actually having sexual orgies. That's not they were playing and skipping and la, la, la. They were having sexual orgies. Did you notice a name that was familiar in both of those stories? Aaron. Aaron, you were just on the mountain. You just saw God. Aaron, you just saw God. Aaron, you just saw God. And now you are making a proclamation, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord, talking about a golden calf. The fire is still up on the mountain. The glory of the Lord is still up on the mountain. They can still look up and see it burning. But yet they have this golden calf. And Aaron, who just was up on that mountain seeing the face of God, says, this is your Lord. Tomorrow we're going to make a feast to him. You know Nadab and Abihu and the other 70 that were on the mountain were right there with them. What happens? What Y'all just saw God in all of his glory, and he did not kill you. Maybe he should have killed you. You just saw, I don't mean that. He just saw God in all of his glory. But I want to show you the difference of the responses. The difference of the responses. And while I'm discussing these difference of responses, I want you to look at your heart. What do you do when the presence of God shows up? Moses sees the glory of God, and he is filled with reverential fear and honor, and he turns aside, and he enters into this life-altering, destiny-changing, nation-changing relationship with God. The elders of Israel see God. They see the throne. They see the sea of crystal and glass, and they eat and drink. And eight chapters later, they make a golden calf, and they say, this is our God. Let's make a feast to him. The people of Israel see the consuming glory of God, and they stand afar off, and they reject God. We do not want him to talk to us. Moses, you can talk to us, but we do not want God to talk to us. Your response to the presence of God changes everything. Do you know that when Moses came down from the mountain and he found them having sexual orgies in front of a golden calf that they made with the golden earrings that they plundered from the Egyptians when they left the land of Israel. Where did y'all get enough gold to make a calf? God supernaturally provided it for you, and you took the supernatural provision of the Lord and used it for idolatry. Hi! Do you know that Moses was so angry when he came down and he said, God, what are we supposed to do? 
about this. And Moses strapped on his sword and he said, whoever is on the Lord's side, gather to me. And who was it that gathered to, to, to Moses? Levi, the priest, the people dedicated unto the Lord. They're like, yeah, we messed up. We was dancing around the calf. We were singing. We might have been in an orgy too. But we got enough sense to recognize this is not where I want to end up. I do not want to end up here. Moses said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come and gather to me. What happens in your brain? You have seen this man bring 10 plagues upon Egypt, the last plague destroying all the firstborn of Egypt. You have seen this man lift a staff and the whole sea divides and you walk through. You have seen this man on a mountain that you couldn't even stand to draw close to and you've seen him inside of it for 40 days. And when he says who's on the Lord's side, you just stand there looking at him. How dumb is that? I want to be on the side of the man on the mountain. Do you know what happened? They strapped on their swords and they went to war. It was the first civil war in the history of the Israelite nation. Brother killed brother. Do you know people lost their lives? They died that day. And where did that happen? Where did, where did that start? That started with, oh no, we don't want to hear the voice of the Lord. We don't want to have reverential fear. He said he wants to give you reverential fear that, so that you do not sin. They did not accept the reverential fear, and eight chapters later, they sinned, like seriously sinning. And it cost them their lives. Moses turned aside to receive the Lord, to say yes to the invitation of the presence of the Lord, and it led him into a glorious destiny where Moses became the friend of God. The people of God, their response to the invitation into the presence of God was, no, we do not want to hear your voice. Moses turned aside, God spoke. The people turned aside in a different way and said, we do not want you to speak. And for many of them, it led to their immediate death, for the rest of them, it led to their eventual death in the wilderness. We know the rest of the story. The book of Psalms says Moses knew the ways of God. He knew his character. He knew his nature. The people had seen his acts. But seeing the acts of God is not enough. Seeing the acts of God does not lead you into intimacy. You need to see his nature. You need to know his heart. You need to not turn aside in terror and fright, but you need to draw close in reverential fear to the presence of the Lord. It determines your destiny. Did they end up dying on that day by the sword of their brothers? Did they end up dying later? There were so many things that happened when a massive group of people died in the wilderness. And then finally, this entire generation died in the wilderness and never saw their promised land. Why? That one response. I do not want to enter into intimacy with the Lord. I do not want to hear his voice. Moses, Moses, yes, Lord. People of Israel, no, Lord. Whether you die in the wilderness or whether you see your promised land determines is determined by your response what do you do when the glory of the lord shows up what do you do when god himself 
issues an invitation. I want to be face to face with you. I want to talk to you. I want to show you my glory. I want to tell you my name. I want to give you miraculous power. I want to outline your destiny, and I want to determine your identity. What do you do when the Lord calls out to you? It may not be a burning bush. It might be Boris standing here with the microphone saying, God is calling you. Respond. Do you enter in? Do you turn aside? Do you speak to him so he can speak to you? Or do you say, God, I don't want to hear your voice. Are you like the elders of Israel who made a show of looking like they were worshipers. They entered into the presence. They ate and drank. They fellowshiped. That's what many of us do when we enter church on Sunday. We make it look like we're encountering the Lord. We look like we're having an encounter. They looked like they were having an encounter. How do you sit? I'm sure they were like in a picnic table on the sea of glass. How do you sit in the presence of God eating and drinking and beholding his glory. And then eight chapters later, you're making a golden calf talking about behold the Lord our God. When you enter into this place and the glory of the Lord falls in this place, what is your response? It's not what we see when we look at you. For all intents and purposes, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu and the 70 elders looked like they were worshiping but it did not transform their hearts. If it had transformed their hearts, that golden calf would have never happened. How do you respond to the invitation of the Lord? There are things in the glory of the Lord. There are things in his presence that he wants to show you, that he wants to give you. Will you turn aside? We see various responses that Moses made. It was always the right response. He turned aside. He drew closer. He drew near to the thick darkness. He entered up into the mountain, and he sat and waited six days, just sitting there in the glory. He was content to sit in the glory. God wasn't speaking. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't giving instruction. There was nothing happening for six whole days. And Moses sat there patiently in the presence of the Lord. I hope this is deeply affecting you. I hope this is doing something to your heart. I hope you're looking at yourself. What do I do when the glory of the Lord shows up? How do I respond to his invitation to enter in? Okay, we got time to go a little bit further. We know Moses is mad and God says, get out of here, you and this people. You know, God got jokes. You and this people that you brought out of the land of Egypt. I, I, was, Moses. I, was, I was minding my own business. On the backside of the desert, I had my wife, I had my kids, I had my sheep. I was enjoying my life. And you're the one, come to me with this burning bush talking about, come on, let's go deliver the people of Israel. Now you had a nerve to say, these people, you, God, who, what? But Moses... See, that's why, that's why I'm not Moses. <laughs> and God says, I will not go up with you in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. And the people heard the news. They mourned. They didn't put on their ornaments. And, and you know, they, they at least had the sense to be repentant. Moses took his tent 
uh, I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 33, verse 7. Moses took it to his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. God comes down, I mean, Moses comes down from the mountain, and he said, I learned something valuable on that mountain. I learned something valuable at that bush. I love meeting with God. I love being in the presence of God. And so he takes his tent and he pitches his tent and he changes it to the tabernacle of meeting. Moses takes his house, the place where he lived. He took it out of the sinful camp and he said, I'm going to consecrate and dedicate this place to be a place where I meditate and I meet with the Lord. That's why I say it's not something that we do on a Sunday morning. How many of you, your home is dedicated to the Lord? Moses didn't say, I need to talk to God again. Let me go back up in the mountain. He said, I'm going to create a secret place where I can meet with God all the time. I'm going to consecrate. I'm taking my tent, the place where I sleep, the place where I lay my head, and now it is going to be the tabernacle of meeting. It is going to be the place where I meet in the presence of the Lord. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. Oh my God, verse 8. I could, just, I could just lay down on the floor and sleep in verse 8. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and Moses talked with God. Oh my God. Moses brought the glory that was in the bush. He brought it down onto the mountain. And now Moses brings that glory right outside the camp. Isn't it strange that Moses is bringing glory of God? He's bringing the presence of God closer and closer to the people. I want to be that kind of leader that I can draw the presence of God and bring it closer and closer to the people. You people want to stand afar off from the mountain? Let me create a tabernacle of meeting where the glory of God will still descend. Moses learned something in his interactions with God. He learned how to bring the glory. He learned how to attract the presence. I hope y'all are recording this. I don't have any of this in my notes. Like, I've never heard this before. Moses learned how to attract the glory of God. It was always for the sake of the people. God, you people need to know God. You're stiff-necked. You're sinful. If you would just interact with his presence, all of us will be all right. Moses was able to draw the glory of God to the tent of meeting. Moses would go inside and that same pillar and cloud of glory that consumed the mountain would come to the tent. And it says, the Lord spoke with Moses. The Lord spoke with Moses. Let me show you something else. But the people saw the pillar of cloud standing and they worshiped each man at his tent door. Now, you know, none of us can say what we have done, but why didn't they go in? Why didn't they go in? They're still standing afar off from the presence of the Lord, except for one man. Verse 11, whoo, Jesus. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When you turn aside, 
when you encounter glory, when you draw near to the thick cloud, when you stay on the six, uh, six days on the mountain, and then finally 40 more days immersed, enveloped, enraptured in the glory of the Lord, then you become a person that can attract the glory whenever you want to. You become a person that the Lord speaks to face to face. How many of you want to speak to the Lord face to face? I want you to look at what Moses did. Adam used to walk with God in the cool of the evening until he sinned, and then the presence of God was blocked off from man by an angel with a flaming sword. But Moses turning aside made a way for man to be able to be face to face with God again. All of us are so hung up on this Old Testament, New Testament, that we didn't get relationship with God again into the New Testament through the blood of Jesus. God always wanted to be face to face with his people. It was always his desire, even before the blood of bulls and goats. They haven't even instituted the tabernacle at this point, but already there is a man face to face with God. Don't you want to be that person? Don't you want to be that person that changes the whole dispensation? God puts a flaming sword and he says, I can't fool with man no more. And then Moses is like, God. And God is like, oh, Moses. And once again, from Genesis 1, here we are in Exodus 33. Once again, man is face to face with God. Face to face with God. What is your response when the glory of the Lord shows up? So the Lord spoke with Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, did not depart from the tabernacle. Wise man. Everybody else worshiped in their tent door. Everybody else stayed in their tent door, still standing afar off from the presence of God. But Joshua had watched the transformation that happened in Moses. He watched what was going on with Moses. He was there attending to Moses on the mountain those 40 days when the glory of the Lord. And he became as addicted to the presence of the Lord as Moses was. So much so, when Moses would leave, Joshua would be like, I'm going to stay right here. Guess who was setting themselves up for destiny? Guess who was setting themselves up to be the next leader of the people of Israel? Who did God choose? The man who stayed in the tabernacle, the man who stayed in the presence. The only one in the camp at this time who had the same reverential fear for the presence of God that Moses had became the next leader. And guess who led the people into their promised land? The one that stayed in the tabernacle in the presence of God. The elders all ate and drank in the presence of God. They all came down. Joshua stayed on the mountain with God. What is your response when the presence of God shows up? Do you enter in? Do you engage? Many, every single one of the people that rejected intimacy with God died outside of their promise. The ones that drew into the presence of God 
enter the promised land except Moses, who did not enter because of the people that rejected intimacy with God. I'm not going to be a Moses kind of leader. Y'all ain't going to keep me out of my promised land. I'm just going to say that. What is your response when the presence of God shows up? And Moses, it isn't enough for Moses to speak to God face to face like a friend. In verse 12, what is Moses' response? I love what Boris said this morning. I'm not content with where I am. I want more. Moses has been on the mountain with God 40 days, 40 nights. He's experienced the glory of God. He's, he's come back. The glory of God has followed him back to this tabernacle of meeting outside of the camp. He speaks to God face to face. And verse 12, he says, See to, say to me, who are you? Who are you? Uh, say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know who you will send to me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I might know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. It's not enough that I speak to you face to face. I need more of your nature. I need more of your ways. I need more of a revelation. And God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses says something that every single one of us needs to say in this destiny journey of life that we're on. He says to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. If you're not going with me, I'm not going. For then how will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except that you go with us so that we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. And God says, I will do what you've asked for you found grace in your sight, in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses was like, that's not enough. Verse 18, he says, all right then, please show me your glory. Moses, what did you see on the mountain? For 40 days and 40 nights, what are you seeing when the, when the pillar of cloud descends? Moses, what, what exactly do you want me to do for you? And Moses stood his ground and he says, please, show me your glory. He has seen God face to face. And just as we uttered in this place, it's not enough. I want more. I want a greater revelation of you. I want a deeper revelation of you. I want more of a revelation. You are asking me to continue leading the stiff-necked people in front of all the nations of the earth. I must see your glory. Moses has experienced the glory of the Lord more than any person on planet earth, maybe except for Adam and Eve before the fall. But yet he's saying it's not enough. God, let that be the cry of our hearts. Everything that I've seen of you is not enough. Everything that I've experienced of you is not enough. I must see your glory. And God is so faithful. Because guess what? God wants to show us his glory. You have but to ask. That's all he wants. Ask me and I will reveal to myself to you in an even greater way and on a, gr a greater level. Just ask me. God didn't say, let me think about it, fast five days, pray six hours. He didn't say any of that. Moses said, show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. 
I'm going to give you an even greater revelation of who I am, and I'm going to give you another revelation of my name. Moses, you have made the perfect request. You want to know me. You want to know my ways. You want to know my character. You want to know my nature. You want to behold my glory, and I'm going to give you exactly what you ask for. Moses takes him on top of the mountain, chapter 34, verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. Moses is on the mountain again. He's destroyed the first tablets. God says, bring up new tablets so we can replace the ones you broke. Come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself there to me, and I'm going to show myself to you again. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses. What would happen if God descended and stood with Sherry right now? I would lose my black mind. But isn't that what we want? Don't we want God to descend in a cloud and stand with us? Don't we want God to descend in a pillar of cloud and speak to us face to face? And he proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now, before he said, I am that I am, he's given himself to him as I am, Jehovah. And now he's saying, I want you to know me even more. This is who I am. The Lord passed before him and, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy before thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. This is who I am. I am God. What was Moses' response? I love Moses. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And then he said, if I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, pr I pray, go among us, even though we're a stiff-necked people, and pardon your iniquity and take us as your inheritance. And God makes a brand new covenant with Moses. They spend more, I, don't, I can't remember if it's another 40 days and 40 nights, but he makes a brand new covenant. And this time with Moses comes down from the mountain, his face is shining. We talked last week about the transfiguration, that the same transfiguration that happened to Moses was the same transfiguration that happened to Jesus and, and the three disciples that when they were on the Mount of It's the very same word. They were transfigured, they were changed, they were metamorphosis by the presence of the Lord. And Moses came back shining with the glory. There was a glory transfer. God said, you found so much grace, you found so much favor in my sight, and you have beheld me so much so that now I'm taking my glory and I am giving it to you. And I'm making it a permanent part of your countenance. Moses carried the glory of the Lord for the rest of his days. How many of you want to spend so much time in the glory and the presence of the Lord that you literally shine with his glory, that you're literally transformed by his glory? I want you to ask yourself that question one more time. How do I respond to the presence of the Lord? Am I like the children of Israel who stood afar off, who rejected the voice of the Lord? Am I like the elders who made a pretense of being in the presence of the Lord, eating and drinking in fellowship, but then it didn't transform their hearts so much so that they came down and made an idolatrous worship? Or am I like Moses? 
that I stay in the presence of the Lord, that I respond, I turn aside, I respond, I draw near, I speak to the Lord, I draw up closer onto them. I want you to go back and read this chapter. You can skip all the, the law parts, but read this chapter. And as you're reading, God, make me respond like Moses. Let me turn aside to see your presence. Lord, let me draw close to the thick darkness. Lord, let me draw up into the mountain and draw close to your presence. Lord, let me come up into the mountain and be willing to sit there for six days until you finally speak. Lord, let me dwell in your glory for 40 days and 40 nights, receiving instruction, beholding the tabernacle in heaven so that I can build the tabernacle on earth. This prayer that we pray on earth as it is in heaven, God, let me bring heaven to earth. That's how you bring heaven to earth, by spending time in heaven, becoming like heaven, being transformed like heaven, beholding heaven, beholding the glory of the Lord, and then being able to bring it back to planet earth. Lord, let me be so hungry for your presence that even when you've spoken to me face to face, I still want more. Lord, let me take my house and make it into a tabernacle of meeting, a place that I can meet you forever and ever. My experience on the mountain was beautiful, but I need to meet with you every single day. Lord, show me your glory. Let your presence go with me. Lord, let me behold your glory until I become like your glory. Let me be transfigured in your glory to where I'm overshadowed by you to the point where I reflect the glory of the Lord at all times. Father, let this be the cry of our hearts. Let this be the cry of our hearts, God. Let this be the cry of our hearts, oh God. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you put in every single person's heart a hunger for you, a desire for your glory. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that when you issue the invitation like the burning bush, when you show us a glimpse of you, cause us to turn aside so that you can speak to us. Father, give us a heart to respond to you at every moment with hunger, with reverential fear, with desperation, with desire for more. God, let us be like Joshua who went up on the mountain and he cheated with stealing Moses' glory. And then after he saw the effect of the glory, he stayed in the tabernacle even after Moses left. Father, we ask that you show us your glory. And when you do, teach us how to respond with the true heart of a worshiper. God, don't let us be like the Israelites who stood afar off, who rejected your voice, who rejected your intimacy and only knew your ways. 
Let us not be like the elders who made a pretense of eating and drinking with you, but still our hearts, their hearts were given to sin. Let us be like Moses and Joshua who drew near to your presence, who spoke to you and then listened to hear your voice, who allowed themselves to be transformed by you. I just want to stop talking right now, and I just want every single one of you, examine your heart. What is your response when God shows up? What is your response when God shows up? And what will be the outcome of your life because of that response? Will you end up like the Israelites who at some point all died in the wilderness because they rejected intimacy with God? Or will you say, God, I reject terror and fright and I draw near, I draw close in reverential fear. I draw close to you, I give you my heart. I speak to you, speak to me, speak to me, God, speak to me. God, in this place, speak to our hearts right now. Cause us to answer your invitation well. Let it affect the rest of our lives, the rest of our destiny, and cause each one to be drawn into our promised land because we respond properly to your presence. In Jesus' name. Just want you to stay there for a few minutes. When I say in Jesus' name, that doesn't mean it's over. Stay there for a few minutes and just interact with the Lord your God. Just respond to his presence.
worship you, Lord. I really feel the holy presence of God in this place. Oof, Jesus. You know, the word we have this morning is not just an ordinary word. It's a prophetic picture of our generation. For the past couple of days, I've been worshiping and asking the Lord, that Lord, why is there? There are so many believers, but why is the nation still the way it is? Why is there still darkness? Despite the fact that there are so many believers going to church every single day. And for me, the message today answers that. And I could hear the voice of the Lord saying, there are so many believers going to church like the children of Israel, but they are very few like Moses and Joshua that are turning aside to look. I feel the holy presence of the Lord this morning and I want you to make a commitment this morning that you are going to be a Moses and a Joshua. One man's response saved an entire nation. Your response to the presence of the Lord this morning could it be that if you would turn aside and look this morning, the nations will be changed? So I want you right now with a repentant heart. I just, just tell the Lord, I'm, Lord, I'm sorry. I, and I want you to just be as repentant as you can. I want you to take a posture of repentance. If you feel like prostrating before the Lord, you feel like kneeling down before the Lord. But let your heart turn aside to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, for the times that I've come into your presence, Lord, and I've been distracted. I'm sorry, Lord, for the times that I've come. I've been distracted by other things. I've been distracted by my dressing, my thoughts, my life. Lord, I'm turning my heart to you this morning. Come and change me this morning, Lord. Even as I'm speaking right now, I can, I can feel my heart. My, old, my whole eyes are in tears because I can feel the Lord touching my heart. And I want you to open up your heart this morning and say, Lord, just melt my heart this morning, Lord. Just change me this morning, Lord. I want to be a lover of your presence. I want to desire you, Lord, more than you ask, God. I want to be changed, Lord. My heart is open for you, God. So I want you right now, just, just heal your heart as much as you can. And let the presence of the Lord come upon you. presence create a hunger in your heart. We long for you, Lord. We are desperate for you, Jesus.
Jesus. We are sorry, Lord. We are sorry, Lord. Lord, reveal your heart to us. Lord, reveal yourself to us, God. Take us deeper, Lord. Take us deeper. Let us see you face to face, God. value my presence. I hear the Lord saying, He says, I should tell you, He wants to reveal and open up your heart and He wants to rush into your life in a holy, in a great way. But He, He wants to know if you, if you would cherish and value this encounter, there is one thing about encountering the presence. It's another thing about staying in the presence. I said, just wait, just open up your heart right now for His holy presence to come. I just want you to stay in that place of repentance. There was something that I noted in the scripture this morning that I forgot to add. And it was talking about the first time when Moses went in before Pharaoh and Pharaoh ended up making the people's bondage worse. And you know, you wonder why did the Israelites respond that way? And why was Moses' response so different? Moses was raised in the palace as a king's son and then he went to the back of the desert and became a shepherd. Whereas the people were raised in cruel bondage. And it actually says in a verse that the people that Moses was encouraging the people, God is going to deliver us, but the people could not hear him because of their anguish of heart and cruel bondage. The people could not properly respond to God because of anguish of heart and cruel bondage. And I was just back there repenting for, before the Lord. I, I, I love having an intimate relationship with him, but I think I've told you all many times that that intimacy has been affected by losses, by deaths, by unanswered prayer, by anguish. And that, for me, is the thing that keeps me from drawing all the way close. It, these places of disappointment, this person died, I trusted you for this, I believed you for this, I, I prayed for this and you didn't do what I expected. And now my heart is hurt and now my heart is bitter. And when the man of God says, respond, I can't because I'm stuck in a place of anguish. I'm stuck in a place of bitterness of heart. And I just sat back there and I said, God, I wanna resolve in my heart once and for all. I just release these things. I release anger, I release bitterness, I release resentment, I release 
everything that I've held in my heart against you that has kept me from drawing all the way near. I don't want anything between me and you. I don't want anything to block you. Yes, I've been angry. Yes, I've been hurt. Yes, I've been disappointed. But I want to see the fullness of your glory. So I release anguish. I release bitterness of heart. Some of you need to do that right now. The thing that's keeping you from being close to God is disappointment. It's hurt. It's woundedness. It's bitterness. And I've just made up my mind, no matter what has disappointed me, I don't care. I need you. I need to see your glory. I need to live in your presence. I don't understand why this thing happened. I don't understand why you didn't answer this prayer. I don't understand why this thing hasn't gone the way that I expected to. But I don't care anymore. Even that is not more important to me than your presence. I want to see your glory. I want to experience your fullness and my disappointment and my hurt and my bitterness is not going to get in the way of that happening anymore. God, I want to experience the fullness of you. I want to see your glory. I want to have face-to-face -face conversations. I want to have face-to-face -face experiences with you. Some of us in this room need to lay down disappointments. We need to lay down hurt. We need to lay down bitterness. We need to lay down offense with the Lord. And we need to say, I don't understand. I don't understand, God. I don't understand. I don't understand. This thing really hurts. But it's not more important to me than your presence. God, I want to see your glory. Let me not be kept away from you by anguish and bitterness of heart. Let me not be kept away from you by anguish and bitterness of heart. Let me not be kept away from you by anguish and bitterness of heart. I release offense, I release disappointment, I release any anger, I release bitterness, I release anything that I need to release that would keep me away from you. God, I repent of my judgments and criticisms. I repent of my anger and offense towards you. I release it. This thing can end today. I want it to end today. I told God for once and for all, I've done this a million times, and yet there's still a place in my heart that's far away from you. But that thing can end once and for all today. It's not because he explains, I haven't done this because, or this person died anyway, because it's not even about that. It's about me relinquishing my right to understand, me relinquishing my right to get what I thought he should have done. I repent of my judgments and criticisms of you, God. I cannot in my finite mind understand what you do in your infinite wisdom. I relinquish my right to understand. I relinquish all disappointment, all anger, all bitterness. I relinquish it right now in the name of Jesus. Now God, draw me into deep intimacy with you. Let's move everything out of the way that would be between our heart and God's heart. I release everything out of the way and I draw near to you, God. I draw near to you, God. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. As we have just been repenting, I just said there's an increase in the wave of the glory of the Lord. And 
and I just feel that the Lord is just baptizing like there is a baptism of glory this morning. And I just see that the Lord wants to wash you with his glory. <sighs> the Bible says that when Moses saw the glory of the Lord, his face was shining. It means that Moses was washed in the glory of the Lord. That signifies a worship, and I feel that there is a spiritual worship and cleansing that is happening right now. I shall be holding the glory of the Lord. Just allow the worship of His presence to happen right now. Let His glory just wash. I just feel that waterfall. And it's just going through my soul. I just allow it to just wash. I just cleanse every disappointment. I just cleanse every pain. I just cleanse every hurt. Let the worship happen in your soul. That you might be able to see Him clearly. an exchange happening <laughs> there is an exchange happening there is a divine exchange happening <sighs> there is a divine exchange happening in this place as you're laying down your disappointments as those tears are flowing down your eyes the Lord is imparting his nature on your heart right now He's washing you, cleansing you, and imparting His nature. Oh, Jesus. Face to face. Face to the Lord will be speaking to some of you and will be giving you encounters that will change your life. I hear Jesus saying, I'm giving them a Moses encounter. An encounter that will change your entire destiny. A conversation with the Lord that will change your life forever. And I want you to just get locked on in that divine conversation with the Lord. of your heart and I hear the Lord saying that when he first spoke to Moses Moses was not all pure he was a shepherd boy but the Lord spoke to him do not look at yourself respond to his voice 
and it was in the process of Moses listening to the voice of the Lord that he received a divine impartation that changed his life. Your role right now is to open up your ears. Your role right now is to behold him and stay in that place. As his voice comes to you, your heart will be changed. like a rushing river you feel it like these streams of divine thoughts coming to you some of you see it like visions like pictures coming to your eyes some of you, you are just feeling something that is the voice of the Lord you yourself to that river Actually, deep questions in your heart. of the glory and the power of God as you have been listening to the voice of the Lord open up your heart for an impartation of his power his power comes in his voice get ready
Let your power fall in this place, Lord. burn. Let it well up from your heart. This fire is welling up from your spirit. It's coming up from within you. Fire. Fire. Fresh fire. Oof. within your spirit as a fresh impartation the fire of God will keep this intimacy <laughs> some of you if you like breaking out into laughter just break out the fire is welling up I see it welling up from inside of your spirit like it is rising up from inside of your spirit, the river of the glory of God. It's rising up from inside of your spirit. And it's about to break out from within you. <laughs> e. 
respond. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. Holy fire. <laughs> Respond. Open up your mouth. I begin to respond to the presence. Say, yes, Lord, increase it, increase it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, increase it. Woo! Let it break open from my spirit. Yes, Lord, increase it. <laughs> of living words are bubbling up. <laughs> Respond, somebody. from within your spirit. Or oh, some of you, you feel like jumping on mountains. You feel like skipping over valleys. The glory of the Lord is rising up from within your spirit. Break forth. Break forth. <laughs> Respond. Lift up your voice and begin to shout to the Lord.
of God, a river of His presence. Breaking forth. Breaking forth. Draw, 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 draw. Can I hear a cry of hunger? Draw! <laughs> we have come to draw fresh wine. your time we are not yet up to six days <laughs> remain in that place and begin to draw just remain in that place and begin to draw dead are coming back to life. The dead are coming back to life. Woo! I feel a resurrection power in this place. If you are spiritually dead, there is a life. Dead purposes are coming back to life. Jump into the river of life. Jump into the river of life. Respond. 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 Jump into the river of life. Let your soul come alive. Let your spirit come alive. saying he wants you to carry a presence this morning that will change your home as you step into your house this morning as you step into your house after service there's going to be the presence of the lord that will invade the lord is saying carry this presence from this mountain take it to your house we have gathered to the mountain of the lord this morning and the lord is saying will you carry this presence to the to your tent will you carry this presence to your room will you carry this presence to your house we have gathered onto Mount Zion will you carry this presence to your family you know 
Some of you are feeling such a stirring in your heart. It's as though you're pregnant. I feel it in my spirit. There's such a stirring happening in your abdomen area. Some of you, you feel like you're about to birth something. It is the glory of the Lord. So, Father, we just ask right now, Lord, let your glory just come and rest. Just open up your heart. Let the glory just come and rest. That as, you, as you're rising up from that seat, you know that your, your heart is the dwelling place of the presence of the Lord. There's going to be such a glory that's going to surround you. You're going to carry this glory as you go. So just open up your heart right now. So, Father, let your glory invade right now. Let your glory begin to rest. Let your glory begin to rest in this house right now, Lord. Let the cloud begin to rest. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Let your, let your glory begin to rest, God, on these temples in this place. Ah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Carry the presence of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. There is a new glory coming on our worship scene. A new glory coming on Bethel Cameroon, Bethel Family Fellowship. There is a new corporate glory and worship that is invading this house. There are new angels that have been commissioned to this house today. There is a new place of reverence the Lord is releasing upon this house today. Our worship is changing. Our reverence is changing. The sound is changing in this house. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> so, Father, yes, Lord, release the angels of the Lord. Let them invade better Atlanta, Africa, Lord. Let his presence seep across the, the continent of Africa. I tell you, when you go back to your office tomorrow, when you go back to your business tomorrow, when you go back to your family tomorrow, you are carrying this presence. There are angels that will be accompanying you as you go back. The presence of the Lord has come upon you to remain. Yes. Yes. Ah. Yes, Lord, you're releasing new sounds of worship.
I hear, I hear these words from the Lord. Lekinson, uh, I hear the word of the Lord for you. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, He's surrounding you with such a wave of His glory. And I see there is an album, a musical album, and the, the album is going to be about the glory and about the fire of God. And the Lord will begin to release songs to you. And the Lord says that these songs are going to set a generation on fire. And I see this album. It's going to be our six, seven songs, eight songs. I don't know, but I see that these songs will become hit records. Because there's going to be such an anointing and such a fire. That is going to be on the sound. On these songs, and I hear the Lord saying that He's taking you to a place. It's going to be almost like a retreat. It's going to be a place of consecration, and the Lord will begin to drop in your heart these sounds. And it's going to be about the glory of the Lord. And wherever these songs will be played, the glory of the Lord is going to fill that place. And the Lord is saying that it's going to set a generation on fire. For there is a generation that will hear a sound. And I hear the Lord saying that you will carry the sound that will set a generation on fire. And that when they hear the songs, their hearts will begin to beat for me. Their hearts will begin to beat for intimacy. Their hearts will begin to beat for hunger. For it will release such a desperation and a hunger in the hearts of the people. For my glory will come upon you. I will overshadow you. For I'm, I'm even putting upon you right now a longing and a hunger like Moses. Such a depth of hunger that you will not be able to rest. Ooh, and it will start on you and you will be a sign to a hungry generation. A generation that will not rest until they have seen the glory. Until they have seen the fire of God. I set you on fire. And I set you as a sign. I set you as a sign <laughs> of a hungry generation. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, we are having more encounters right now. <laughs> and I feel that the Lord is communicating to your heart right now, just speaking to your heart. If you're desiring a Moses encounter, just begin to log, log in right now. If you, if you want to go, there, there are envelopes on the seats. You can put your offerings in the envelopes. And, and you can just work and just drop it and leave. But I sense Moses encounters right now. That the Lord is giving words that are changing people. And they are changing them.
having a couple of words for some people. You know, Kingsley, I hear the Lord saying, you are in a place where Moses was. When the Bible says that Moses wrestled with an angel. And I see you in a wrestling place with the Lord. Where you're wrestling. And you're telling God, Lord, I will not let you go. Jacob, I will not let you go, sorry. <laughs> until you bless me. That's what Jacob was saying. Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And I see that that is a portion of your heart. And now you're wrestling with the Lord. You're wrestling with the Lord. In this place, you're wrestling with the Lord. And I hear the Lord saying to you that you will be called the Prince of God. For you have wrestled with me. And I see God changing your name. And we all know that when, when God changes your name, it's not a name. But I see God changing you. Because the name stands for a character. And I, hear you, and, and, I, and, I, and I hear you having this conversation with the Lord. Where you're telling God, God, I want you to completely redefine me to the world. I want you to completely change me in such a way that I don't even recognize myself. I don't even recognize who I have been. I don't even recognize. Give me a new identity. And I hear the Lord saying, and I feel the Holy Spirit saying that if you will remain in this place of wrestling, if you will not give up, the Bible says that Jacob wrestled in morning. And Jacob did not give up until the day broke. And I feel the Lord saying that remain in this place of wrestling and do not give up. And that if you stay in this place of wrestling with the Lord and you're contending with the Lord. And you're contending for transformation, for change, for a revelation. If you remain in this place, the Lord says... Then he will give you an inheritance and he will give you a nation and he will call you a prince with the Lord. And I see you wrestling and sometimes you feel tired. Sometimes you feel you want to give up. But I feel the Lord saying, remain in this place of wrestling until the change has happened. Until the change happens. And so I bless you with grace and strength to remain in a place of contending with the presence of the Lord until he changes you fully and completely. Okay, let's just respect this moment in the Lord's presence. Either the children need to go back out or they need to be still. Let's just stay in the presence of the Lord. I just sense that there are more words um, that need to go out over people's lives. If you stop this and start it again so I can give one for you. Ursula, it's for you. I said, stop it and restart it. <laughs> it's funny how you're dressed today. You look very regal, very queenly. You look very like you're, I don't know why, I just see you traveling. Um, literally, I just see you dressed up like this, sleigh queenish, made up. And I see you traveling. I see you getting on planes. And I know it's the dream of your heart. And I know it's something that you and God have been talking about lately, this life of worship that you want to devote yourself completely to. And I just saw something happening this morning as we were talking about the response to worship and, and how we should respond to worship. And I just see that that worship is going to take you places. It's going to take you places in the nations. It's going to take you places. And 
<coughs> I, I've spoken this before, and I'll just speak it again, that God is breaking you all the way down so that you can be built back up, and that this season of healing, this season of restoration, this season of Him just doing things in your heart is preparation for you living this life of worship and, and, and you being traveling. I literally see you on a plane going here, on a plane going there, and it's like this this Kim Walker schedule of I have to go do this worship set here and then I have to go do this worship set there and and all of it is after this season of being broken down and being built completely back up in the Lord and the more you give yourself to the process and the the faster you give yourself to the process I'm just going to have Bessie come and lay her hands on you just to represent what God is doing right now in you that he is breaking you down and building you back up. He's literally recreating in you the woman that he wants you to be, and he's creating this worshiper. I feel like this message was almost specifically for you. And I just declare that the heart of a worshiper is coming upon you right now. The heart of a worshiper is coming upon you in deeper ways, in greater ways. God, I just thank you, Lord, that you are birthing in Ursula everything that you want to birth. Everything that you've created about her is perfect for this. I was reading David this morning. I thought we would get to David this morning. And it was just talking about how um, uh, uh, Jesse, uh, Jesse called in all his sons, and finally he said, there's one more son, bring him in. And David ran into the room, and we know that David had been on that hill worshiping. He'd been playing the heart. He'd been worshiping with the, before the Lord. But it also said that he was good looking. And I don't know why that matters, but it does. And I feel like everything about you, even your looks, even your beauty, even you just look like a model today. And I feel like that's even a part of God taking you to the nations and you representing him in such a beautiful and special way. The time that you took to do your hair and your makeup and dressing this morning was prophetic. That Ursula had a heart before the Lord and she was also beautiful. And she represented the inner and the outer aspects of the presence of the Lord. She represented the inner and the outer aspects of the presence of the Lord so well. And she carried worship to the nations. She carried worship to the nations. Ursula carried worship to the nations. Ursula carried worship to the nations. I don't know what you have to do. I don't know what decisions you have to make. I don't know what changes you have to make. But this, you have to pursue it with all your heart. In fact, I have a feeling that's what you're coming to talk to me about today, <laughs> that you have to pursue it with all your heart, that you have to pursue it with all your heart. Ursula carried worship to the nations. You have a beautiful voice, you have a beautiful countenance, and now God is doing this deep inner work that inside and out, you're going to carry the presence of God. Inside and out, you're going to carry the presence of God. Ursula carried worship to the nations. Ursula carried worship to the nations. I want those words to burn inside of you. Ursula carried worship to the nations. Whatever you have to do, whatever decision you have to make, that is the word being spoken over your life. Ursula carried worship to the nations. Ursula carried worship to the nations.
Joanne. I remember when I gave that word to Ursula, I gave it to the both of you. And I almost felt your heart back there saying, what about me? And I feel like the Lord is asking you, what do you want? There are some things that you have to settle in your heart. There are some things that you have to settle in your heart. Wouldn't it be so cute if the two of y'all are slay queens traveling together, carrying worship to the nations? But Joanne, there's some things that you have to settle in your heart. There's some deep things that you have to settle in your heart. What is your response to God? I feel like he's asking both of you for a complete and total surrender. both of you for a complete and total surrender. Will you give yourselves to his process no matter what it costs you? Both of you, will you give yourselves to his process no matter what it costs you? Will you give yourselves to his process no matter what it costs you? As he said, if you need to go, the offering basket is right back there. Drop your offering and go. We bless you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. But I just feel like there's a continued work that God wants to do in some people. I just feel like this is a moment of divine visitation. not even your personal pain but it's almost like pain you carry from your family burdens and I see nights of crying when you were young and a lot of things that you desired and I hear the Lord saying that he's giving you a heart for restoration and a true pastor's heart not that you're going to become a pastor but I see God, God is giving you a heart for family and I see that God wants to heal you because there's a lot of things that have happened in your life that have almost remained like you've kept it you're like a burden carrier you're like one that can you can a lot of difficult things can happen and you can withstand it, you can carry them and it feels like you have just been absorbing and carrying and things are happening and disappointments and things are happening and you have just been carrying and carrying and carrying and i feel that the lord wants to bring a detoxification and i feel that the lord wants to say that i want you to release 
all the burden you have been carrying all throughout your life from the time you were small i see you like almost like the defender of your family you're like almost like the man the one that defends you defend your your mother your siblings you're the one that is there you're the one that was outspoken you're the one that was like you were almost you almost allowed yourself to become like a shield um for the attacks of the enemy to come from the insults of other people and i see you like a battle soldier and a lot of bruises and things that have happened and i and i hear the lord saying that my beautiful naomi is being have been stained by all of these things and i and he wants to restore you back and i see that it has to come to a process where the lord wants to begin to polish you and begin to allow you to open up your heart and i see that there's going to be encounters of the love of god where it's going to come out from out, out of you and you're just going to break down sometimes and just crying and just releasing and just pouring out your heart and all the pain and all the challenges and everything that has happened on the um in, in your past is going to come and god is going to fuel you and god is going to restore you and i see that god wants says like you, you're, you're going to be like joseph in your family that through you is going to restore peace and restore a sense of security in your family and and i said your family is almost been like exposed but i see that through you the lord is going to come and bring such a, a, a covering over your family he's going to come and bring such a protection over your family and i hear the lord saying that sometimes you want to pray and and and, and you don't have words to utter but i hear the lord saying i actually see the lord with a, a jar in his hands and that jar contains tears and i hear the lord saying that your tears are like words and that way he looks at that jar and sees your tears that you've cried over your life and over your family he can understand the language of your heart and that he understands the language of your heart in that deep and profound way and he is responding even to those words that you could not utter those words that you could not say and i hear the lord saying many times you felt lonely and alone but i see the lord uplifting that banner over you right now and i see him giving you joy and that there's you are you are, you are a bearer of joy and you're one that is supposed to carry joy and laughter and that you have to be able to bring laughter to so many people but sometimes things just happen and you're just moody but i hear the lord saying he's restoring your laughter and your joy and your creativity and your heart today and it's bringing total restoration and healing and so right now i just pray for you right now for an encounter with the glory of the lord that the lord opens up your heart this morning in a deep way and that the lord pours out his love in your heart in such a way that he overwhelms you and he brings deep and I hear that I, 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 I pray that the Lord will give you the grace, the grace and the strength, the grace and the strength to remain committed, the grace and the strength to remain in His presence. Yes, He calls you His songbird, that you have such a beautiful voice. <laughs> and I see you singing, singing, and for long you have not been singing. And I see that when you were, when you were, when you were younger, you sang a lot. So I restore your confidence. Uh, there's something confidence that you lose confidence, that you lose confidence in yourself. I hear the Lord saying, He's giving. 
Yes, you are incredible, that you are amazing. And I want you to know that you are amazing. And that the Lord feels that you are amazing. It, it almost feels like you are a jewel stored in a room. But the Lord says he's removing the jewel again and taking out our daughter in your shadow. And so I bless you. And I just speak restoration in your heart. today thank you for today Lord thank you for the work you've done bless each and every student and Father I just release your blessings and your grace upon everyone Father we just pray can you just be on your feet Father we just pray that this week is going to be a, a time of personal encounters with you that we are going to experience worship I want to invite you to come for worship tomorrow and just come for worship tomorrow. I feel that the Lord has just started something today that will just keep increasing. We'll just keep increasing. I speak favor over my week. I speak favor over my finances. I speak increase in my family. I decree this week I will increase and prosper on every side. My offerings and my tithes are bringing forth fruits that will remain. By this prophetic act, I break the power of poverty over my life, over my family, and over my community. I release prosperity and increase as I give my offerings and tithes today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want you to just come and give your tithes and offerings. Um, ushers, lead the people. Hallelujah. So, oh, okay, just come, just come and give your tithes and offerings. Today, no protocol. Just come and give your tithes and offering. The ushers were too slow. Can you please get the offering basket? So this is Bethel Cameroon Family Fellowship. Um, we are way above time, but it's a good thing to have when the Holy Spirit visits you and gives you encounters. And we really, really love his presence, and we like to give him time when he shows up.
wish to welcome our visitors. If you're here for the first time, can we stand up? Let's see you. This is Bessera Cameroon Family Fellowship. If you're here for the first time, can we stand up? Let's see you. Let's welcome you. Thank you very much. You're welcome to our meeting.